Well, it's official, y'all. As of Wednesday, we are to shelter in place. For most of us, that means that the only other human beings we'll have actual physical contact with are those who live in our own homes with us. For many of you who live alone, this potentially means you'll have no contact with any other human being. Even for the confirmed introvert, extended periods of isolation are a huge challenge. People are posting on social media all the things that they're doing to pass the time. Household and gardening projects that have long since been on the back burner, they're getting done. Families are having way more family fun game nights. Crafting is on steroids. Some dogs, they're actually running and hiding at the sight of their leashes. Turns out there is too much of a good thing. And it sounds like we will collectively have the cleanest closets in history. And the junk drawer will soon be a thing of the past. We have also, all of us, had to say goodbye to friends and family in recent days, at least for the foreseeable future. People in hospitals and independent and assisted living and nursing homes, they can't have any visitors, and many of them aren't even allowed to go out into the hallway to say hello to their neighbors. One church member who's living in this scenario jokingly said to me in a text message earlier this week, Turns out, I'm not near as good a company as I thought I was. (laughs) Children and teenagers are isolated from their friends. I'm particularly aware of high school seniors, since I happen to have one of those in my home. They're missing out on all of the senior year milestones that they have been looking forward to for years. On the first day of high school, my daughter Michaela said to me, Mom, can you believe that in just three years, I'll be a senior? That's how long she's been looking forward to this. And now she has a gorgeous prom dress hanging in her closet for a prom that will likely be canceled. One of Westlake High School's seniors posted on Facebook on Thursday, which was the first day of their distance learning. Well, I guess senior ditch day will be a lot harder. And I know all the seniors, they have to be wondering, will they even get to walk across the stage in cap and gown to celebrate their graduations? And then there are those who have had to say goodbye to their coworkers. I'm one of those, along with many, who are able to work from home and can participate in Zoom meetings, which of course has challenges of its own. But there are those who have had to say goodbye to their jobs. They've had to say goodbye to their paychecks. And many of the programs that serve those who live in poverty, they've had to say goodbye to volunteers. And then consequently, those they serve have had to say goodbye to the food and shelter that those programs provide. We have had and we will continue to have to say goodbye to many of the people and places and events and routines and services and securities and celebrations and and even many dreams that have been longtime friends. It's getting real, y'all. The fear and the grief, they're very real. Jesus is having to say goodbye to his friends. John's 13th chapter is the preface to what biblical scholars often refer to as Jesus's farewell discourse. And the chapter begins with these words. Now, before the festival of the Passover, 
Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and to return to the Father. So in preparation for his departure, for his goodbyes, he began to make ready his disciples. And I want you to hear this because it's very important. Jesus wants to prepare his disciples not for his death. He wants to prepare them for life. He wants to prepare them to live in the presence of his physical absence. Remember, in John's gospel in particular, Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly and experience it now. And is and as is Jesus' habit, again, especially in John's gospel, where from the very beginning it's made crystal clear, Jesus is the Word made flesh, God incarnate. Jesus first embodies the instruction that will follow. As Jesus prepares for the loss of his friends, Jesus pictures himself in this story as a slave in service to them. Remember, during Lent, we are picturing ourselves in the stories of our faith, in particular in the stories of Jesus' last days, that we might more fully understand his passion and enter into it with him. Jesus takes the place of a servant, the slave in this story. And then he washes the feet of his dinner guests. An act that to his disciples is scandalous. It's unthinkable. Peter blurts out what all the others are already thinking. This ain't happening, Jesus. You will never wash my feet. You don't get it, Peter, Jesus says. Unless I wash you, you will have no share with me. What does that mean? Because there's water and words like bathe and wash and cleanse are being thrown around in the story, most of us immediately think baptism. That's what Jesus means. Unless you are baptized, you don't have a share with Christ. But I want us to back up a little bit and listen to exactly how Jesus is using these words in this story to figure out what he really is trying to say. Time for a little virtual learning of our own. Time for our biblical Greek lesson. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you will have no share with me. Wash in Greek is nipto. Then Jesus says, one who has bathed doesn't need to wash because they are entirely clean. The Greek translated as bathe here is louo. Louo is most often used as a ritual washing or cleansing, a means of spiritual cleansing. It's used as a baptismal term. Jesus is making a very important distinction here. It's not bathing in a ritual sense for the purpose of being spiritually cleansed that's significant in Jesus' act of washing them. They don't need to be cleansed. It is his act of serving them in such an intimate and humble way that is significant, that's critical here. And the appropriate response for his disciples is not to reject it, 
but to accept Jesus in this scandalous role of both loving and gracious host and humble and intimate servant. Because it's only in receiving his loving act of humble service that they fully understand the nature of Jesus's relationship with God. And it's only in receiving this grace that we can enter into that same relationship with him. It's in receiving Jesus's gift that they become intimate friends and have a share with one another. In receiving Jesus's service, they become one with Jesus as he is one with God, and they begin to share in the life that Jesus so desires for all of us. On Wednesday, I received a call from one of our church members. At least I think it was Wednesday. It's all running together for me. One day this week, I received a call from one of our church members who has ended up with a number of those N95 inserts that go in medical masks that so many desperately need right now. She called because she wondered if I could put her in contact with some people in our church who know how to sew because she'd found a pattern online to sew masks that those inserts could go into. I was able to quickly connect her with three others in our church who are very willing and able to make those masks. She only knew one of the three, and the other two she only knew peripherally. But as they make these masks together, as they serve together, they are becoming friends. And they will befriend those that they serve as well as they distribute these masks, all the while embodying the love and grace of our God as we've experienced and received it through Jesus Christ. We become one with one another. We become one body through our service to each other, by our love for each other and for the world, a love that Jesus modeled when he entered into our story as a humble slave and washed the disciples' feet. We can still love one another, even in this time of social distancing. A phone call, a Zoom meeting, a group text. I mean, right now, being intentional about connecting virtually with one another is an act of service. And it can be deeply humbling. I mean, learning anything new, much less a technology that many of us have resisted with a vengeance for a long time, is very humbling. And seeing somebody, seeing yourself on video, ah. And many of the organizations that Westlake United Methodist Church partners with to feed and clothe and house those who are most vulnerable, they are still functioning. Of course, with all the precautions in place to mitigate the spread of this virus. But if you're able, there are opportunities to serve in that way as well. Next Sunday is Communion Sunday. We will say goodbye to another familiar friend, a ritual that usually gathers at least most of us in body around a common table to share in a sacred meal to remember the one who hosts us all, the one who serves all of us, this meal that connects us as friends, makes us one, and sustains us spiritually. We will say goodbye for now to our familiar way of celebrating this sacrament. But we will gather 
all of us, at least virtually, around a common table to break bread and drink from a cup, to prepare, I encourage you to have available next Sunday some form of bread and grape juice if you have it. If not, any relatively common beverage will work. As a virtually gathered community, we will celebrate communion together and encounter Christ alive and powerfully present among us. As we picture ourselves in this story, I invite you to imagine what taking on the role of humble servant during this particular time in history looks like for you. In what ways might you become one with Christ in service to others that we might all have a share with each other and become one with God? Amen.